scare, entice, and invite children into the underbelly of life as we know it. Come on a journey with the Literary Licensed Podcast as we explore in our Season 7 retrospective of Dark Family Films as part of our two for one. license podcast and it's season seven with our new show of two for one which is dark families and we'll be covering puff and stuff from 1970 and the never-ending story from 1984 and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got davide cavallo with us hello davide hi everyone we got joe radazza with us hello joe hey everyone and vicky ray with us hello vicky hi guys and I'm your host, Keith Shog. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Davide. What have you been up to, Davide? Um, generally, not <laughs> much. Doing that again. Just work. <laughs> Just work. Balls again. No much to report this week. You're not up for watch on? Nah, no, no much to report. Not I'm much have to a report, weird huh? mm-hmm. well, Everybody has those weeks. And what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Um... Got assigned a new uh, a new project from the from the upcoming job. As soon as I have a title and they officially name me, I'll I'll be I'll fill in you guys on on what it is. So uh, I've got some stuff to do over the weekend for them. Um, also going to be doing our uh, Doctor Who podcast uh, this coming week. Oh, you are. Uh, which, which episodes is that? Uh, they're covering the Planet Web, which I have arriving to uh, arriving in a few minutes actually, and. Um, the uh the first movie with Peter Cushing, which is oh, the reason I'm, that's so up your alley. <laughs> which is the reason I'm in. Which is the reason I I I decided to join because I I love Peter Cushing and I'm like I get an opportunity yeah, to talk get, about. You, Peter I'm sure knowing you, you will have a lot of invaluable information to impart. <laughs> I I don't know a lot about the Doctor Who series, so uh you know. But I'll, you know I'm, Peter Cushing. I, I know Peter Cushing's film history. Uh, you know, I, I don't know Peter Cushing. He died when I was thirteen. Never <laughs> met the man, but uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun. I, I love Amicus movies, and this was an Amicus film, so that's cool. Ooh, warts and all, and I realize it's not you know it's not a particularly good movie, but it's no matter. It's going to be one that uh, that I'll talk about and have fun. Kind with. of a prelude to some of the Amicus films that are covering yeah. later this season. So yeah, because we're doing. What, Tales uh, of the Crypt, From Beyond the Grave, which I um, love. I love all the all the anthology films we're I doing. I love all those movies. I love those. So yeah, that'll that'll be great to do. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So I'm doing that. Uh. So yeah. Besides that, I, I got a I got a busy weekend of watching a lot of stuff that I need to that I need to do. Uh. For for different projects. Um. That's really it right now. I wish I could give you guys Are more you details. Are still balancing your other stuff? 
the same time. I mean, I'm, I, I've been I've been watching like uh, I've been doing my uh, my horror hound uh, uh, watch list stuff from the last couple of right. years that I've been doing the last. Couple oh, it's years Halloween! I'm waiting for your list. <laughs> I, I I started. I just haven't had enough time to write everything up. I've only written the first two, and I posted them, so I'm like two weeks behind. I haven't on, seen on, them yet. Oh, maybe it's because they're okay. You haven't posted in two weeks. I've uh, yeah, I haven't posted them yet, or I haven't posted too many of them yet. I usually wait for your Substack. <laughs> I'll get I'll get around to it uh, very very soon. So I, I I ended up taking on a lot and putting a lot on my plate this year. No shit, God. <laughs> it's a good thing though. You're on a roll. And I'll be, uh, uh, you know, I guess I'll start talking about this now. I'll be at the uh, Milwaukee uh, Twisted Dreams Horror Film Festival um, with my uh, my my longtime friend Lynn Lowry from all the you know, early David Cronenberg. Oh, how movies. cool! And we'll be showing George Romero's The Crazies. For its fiftieth oh anniversary, God, I love that movie. So, and Lynn Lowry will be there. She'll do a Q and A. She'll be there signing autographs all weekend. Um, it should be fun. Uh, TwistedDreamsFF.com is their website. Uh, if you're near Milwaukee, uh, come on down and show up. It'll be uh, it'll be a fun time. Lynn Lowry, uh, Lynn Lowry's a sweetheart. I've known her like ten years now. She's absolutely, absolutely amazing. That's great. And what about yourself, Fix? What have you been up to? Well, it's under 108 degrees. It's 85 today. Winter's coming. Yay. But um, now, not a whole lot. I should be playing uh, soccer and things like that. We haven't really been doing too much. It's been kind of a boring week or so because it's been so damn hot. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. It's finally, um, finally cooled down into the 70s up here. I know. I'm it's in the 80s, it. finally. It's going to be in the 90s. Well, I'm supposed to go with my, with my friend to Houston for a couple of days Sunday. I'm going to just do a road trip for a little bit. But we haven't really been doing too much. We're just kind of doing the the family life deal. I did get a chance to watch Fast X, though, and the boys were right. I totally loved it. <laughs> Jason Momoa was like the fucking Joker. Awesome. I could not have loved his performance more in this movie. He's I don't know about the rest it. of the movie. But he stole the freaking show, and I'm so pissed I got away from part two. I was so Plus his heart. Oh, but it was so good. I, I thought I was going to hate it because the last one was so far out, like with the, you know, where they got the igniters and they're in the car and they're in the orbit of the earth with the car. <laughs> and it's just like, how come up? This one was a little more, you know, it was good. Jason Momoa was awesome in it. He just was great. And it leaves you with a nice cliffhanger for the next one. I, it, uh, yeah, they did. They did. And yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. Jason Momoa steals every single scene he's in in that. Uh, there's that, not one he doesn't, and he was—that's that, why I wrote you. I go, he is the Joker. I mean, yeah, just, that, that was that was Sean that said that. Not he me, was but more yeah, Joker than Joker. That's how good <laughs> he did it, you know. And I found this like—I guess it was kind of a sleeper movie, the Charlie Throne called Dark Places. It was really kind of a good movie. I—I I, I don't know that one. Put it off watching it. And it was really quite good. It was about just about a family murder and stuff and, and how she didn't remember correctly as a child and just snowballs into some weird twisted stuff. But uh, other than that, just been getting on Tubi and watching all kinds of weird shit. Tubi's just full of weird shit. And it's Halloween time as far as I'm concerned. So all the good stuff is coming out. So I get to watch all of my Universal oh. monster movies and all that other good stuff. Look, uh, Dark Places has a pretty solid cast. Drea DiMatteo, yeah, from Sopranos, awesome. Nick, Nicholas Holt, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Christina Hendricks. 
Corey Stoll. All right, yeah. It was a good movie. I really liked it. Never heard of it. I'm throwing it on my wish list. Yeah, uh, my, I put it my on. I watched watch the now. first 15 minutes of it, and I got really invested <clears throat> in it. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to stick with this one. I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. It's a good movie. All right, just threw it on my watch list. I'll check that out yeah. soon. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. We're just boring, boring people this week. Mm-hmm. Well, myself, we haven't been up to a lot. Put my retirement in. So my last day at work is 15th. My last day in the UK is the 4th of February. And we head out to Dallas on the 5th of February. So Texas will never be the same. Yeah, but I, have a fa- I got a fantastic pension bonus. So that was great. So but, they're probably uh, glad you're fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been in the same job for 32 years. So I say you've been there forever. I yeah. bet you those girls are gonna miss you. <laughs> All the secretaries and shit. They they're already like <laughs> freaking out that I'm going. So it's kind they of they probably weird. didn't think you were ever gonna do it, you know. Especially making such a big move and a decision like that. So. Yeah, people go, I can't I'm admiring you if someone you're old your age to do that. <laughs> it's like, oh god, I feel old. But um but yeah, no, it's um, so it's quite good. It's kind of, there's a lot of mixed emotions with it, but it's. Oh, it's, I bet, I bet uh, that's been your home for so long. Yeah, you got and people then, uh, ties there. Then we watched um, this fantastic show that's available on Hulu or Disney Plus in the UK called Extraordinary. Fantastic, nice. six episodes. It's English, made for Disney and made for Hulu and Fox. Um, and there's oh eight episodes and. Eight. Uh, it's about everyone's born with a special power, and it's about this girl who can't find her power. I mean, and to give you a little bit of thing, the thing is they all get high, and the funniest thing they do is one girl can bring dead people through through her body. She Ooh. brings Hitler in so they can fuck with them when they're high. <laughs> Definitely gonna watch it. What's it called? Extraordinary. Uh, extraordinary. extraordinary. Okay. It reminds, me the, it reminds me of the plot of um um what's the name? Encanto from Disney. I don't mm. know. With the powers and the character who doesn't have the powers. I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen Encanto. It's really so funny. Know. I highly recommend it. it, was, it, I, we, it sounds I, I, kind I, of, sounds intriguing. I won't deny. Well, let's put it this way. Before it even aired, uh, the response ahead of time from critics and stuff like that garnished them two more seasons automatically wow. before it even aired. So, so it's fine. I, I, I wish Hulu would get their shit straight because all of my stuff just isn't coming through. I don't know. I guess they're having a problem with whomever. Yeah. But um, outside of that, I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger show on Netflix, Foonbar. Foon oh, yeah. Bar. I haven't seen that yet. What is it? It's, um, he is a CIA operative. He's getting ready to retire, but then he gets sent on a special mission and realizes his daughter's also a CIA, a CIA Oh, operative. really? It's interesting. I mean, the thing is, she's a good actress. He's always been a bad well, actor. Well, he's got to let Arnold be Arnold, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, is um, he's a little bit old to do some of the action sequences, so it's, it's missing something. I'm not quite sure. I've only hmm. seen two episodes, so I'm going to I'm gonna carry on for a couple more and see if what Maybe happens. I will check it out. I've been trying not to. I see where there's peak, there's series. It's like, oh, God, I can't get involved in another series. Well, this one I only watched. has, like, this only has six or eight episodes as well. Yeah. I imagine Arnold sounds pretty expensive, so. That's, you know, that's the way. Start some, I, I never finished all of Supernatural the last two seasons. I really got to finish that. That's the way I've been. Like, a limited series I could do, but something that's just going to drag on and on for, you know, six, seven years, I don't think I can do anymore. Mm. Yeah, sort of like Vampire Diaries, because, I mean, by the seventh season, or the last season, seventh, eighth season they went to, I mean, she had left. What's her name? Oh, gosh. 
She the plays Elena. Wouldn't but, you uh, know? I've never seen a single episode. Oh God! But when she left, they they just could not fill that void. It just totally screwed season seven. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is sometimes I think that I think if you have an episode, I think if you have like ten to twelve episodes at the most, I think you're able to carry on. But when you start, when you're doing 20, 24 episodes a, a season, then I think you kind of give it. Hard. Time. it hard. I mean, Supernatural. I mean, I love Supernatural. I don't want to say anything bad about it, but there are a lot of times it was treading water. There's towards the end, so. You know, yeah. No, their Scooby Doo episode was fantastic. I do um, like their the, the the new one that came out, the Winchesters. A lot of people shit all over it, but I actually like that yeah. first season. I wish they, I hope they put a second season out of it. But I mean, you know, the two actors have gone on. I mean, Jensen Ackles, I guess, right. is coming back from the boys again, and then um, I don't know how they're going to do that. And then, of course, the other we one's got gone. the other one. He's running around here. Jack. A lot of people see him in and out of stores, or they used to when he was doing Texas Walker Ranger. Yeah, and that's that's been renewed for another season, apparently. So obviously that's doing yeah, well. Yeah, he's people see him around. He's got bikes and stuff stored down the road. Mm. They film a lot around here. And speaking of oddity, this brings us to our next film, which is Puffin Stuff, which is a 1970 American comedy fantasy musical film produced by Sid and Marty Croft Enterprises and released by Universal Pictures. It is based on the children's television series H.R. Puffin Stuff, a show that features a cast of puppets on a living island. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Puffin Stuff and be right back. Stop eating your popcorn and be quiet or I'll zap you! Everybody, but everybody is coming to see Puffin' Stuff. Baby, I'm alive and living just for you. Brand new full-length feature of family entertainment. One year in the making. Universal Pictures brings you the biggest musical fantasy since The Wizard of Oz. Starring Jack Wilde, the artful dodger of Oliver. If it's kindness that you seek, is where it's at. Billy Hayes as Witchy Poo. It's the only way to fly. Martha Ray as Boss Witch. It's happy hour now. Mama Cass in her first feature picture as Witch Hazel. I'm trying to save it, lady. It's too nice to let it get scarred. Fire! Fire! The castle's on fire! How do you get out of this chicken outfit? Hello! Maximus! Please! Somebody! Anybody! It's the worst catastrophe than I thought. It looks like the witch captured everybody. Oh, Jimmy, it's horrible. What are we going to do? It's an angel ring! You love the comedy, the color, the marvelous music. When I was smaller and people were taller, I realized that I was different. I had a power that set me apart. 
inspired by the TV show that Life magazine called A Wizard of Oz-like Fantasy. You're lovely, puff and stuff And we can't love you enough Everybody will love puff and stuff Because this is the year for puff and stuff <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Literally's Podcast. We're discussing Puff and Stuff from 1970. So, Vicky, what are your thoughts of Puff and Stuff? <laughs> Why are you going to start with me? <laughs> I think oh it's a perfect God, starting I, point. I, I just said here, I was, you know, like I totally forgot about HR Puff and Stuff and the banana splits and all that stuff. And it's just like, you know, it, it was this, 1970. I mean, come on, we're coming out of the 60s and we got this trippy ass shit we're showing us kids back then. You know, it's almost an invitation to start dropping acid by 1970. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what the hell? But I mean, witchy poo and all, I totally, totally forgot about all of that stuff. And I mean, this 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 is the kind of stuff that was the norm. I mean, like I said, I'm going to be showing my age, but this is the kind of stuff that they were, you know, bringing out. Land of the Lost, H.R. Puff and stuff, Banana Splits. There was a bunch of, there's quite a few other ones. And they, they were the puppets and the, the claymation and the stop at motion uh, figurines and stuff. But this one was just so funny. I forgot about the little kid and the, the, the singing, you know, and how he gets to the island. And I mean, there's just, I mean, that was like a three or four gummy friggin' review. <laughs> and even then, I wasn't stoned enough to watch it. But it's just the music, and it got stuck in my head again. And so, you know, to like clean my palate, I had I had to go watch, you know, Banana Splits, the movie, you know, the one with the axe murderer and stuff. <laughs> just like, just which, so is like, not, which is another damn good movie. I actually really like that movie. It's a riot. Oh, my God. I thought it was excellent. But, uh, it's it was this was definitely a blast from the past. What was I like? We were four or five years old when this shit came out, and they had to be on drugs. Everybody was on drugs on this, but they had to be. Everybody. Oh, well, the funny thing about Puff and Stuff is that Puff and Stuff ran for thirteen episodes and it was a huge success, but it was a really it was a really expensive show. What oh, I yeah. found bizarre is that normally what you do is when you make a film, you kind of upgrade everything. Yeah. They didn't. They at all. Like it was at the TV all. show. That was, that, yeah. that this, yeah, this looked like it's a TV show. Everything. So this looked like, like it was a TV show. Uh, it I, was, I, I, well, it did look like, that's why I was confused and I was watching it because I had not watched this in a long time. And I mean, a long time. And so I, I, I couldn't remember. It's like, wow, was this the pilot or is this the movie? No, and, the, it just came out after the series. The yeah, I was totally was, confused. He, on that I mean, I, when I was a kid, it was my favorite TV show when I was a kid. I loved all that shit when I was a kid. This, man, this yeah. movie was just madness for for 90 minutes. I love it. I gotta it. wonder I could, why why my generation's so fucked up. This is the shit so, they were making us watch when we were kids. Well, there were Jack, so Jack many Wild came came off of Oliver. Which yeah. was, oh, that's okay. right. Yes, this so is. this was the second thing after Oliver is Zarful Dodger. Yeah, which is kind of strange because he really can't sing, can he? I didn't think he was that bad. He was okay. Child, well, I, I mean, mean, he's not—he's not Michael Jackson, and you know. The, you I know, wouldn't want to buy a Jack Wild album. Let's just put it. Well, that I would way. not. Does he have an album? No, but I wouldn't okay, want. It's like that's like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy having a fucking album. Bill Bell Yeah, but at least at least William Shatner knew what his limitations were. Did he? Did he? 
Yeah, he did. He spoke, through those, too. he spoke through I, those songs, though. The best William Shatner album to buy is Has Been. Fantastic. I love that album. And it was it was produced by Ben Folds and Amy Mann. But him singing um Common People. <laughs> I wanna live like common people. I wanna live oh like God. common Never people. Seen do. The video <laughs> oh it's like doing the song, but he's doing it in iambic pentameter or something. <laughs> well, I think that's when he did Rocket Man you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So yeah I but song it was. Richard Harris did it first with MacArthur Park. Someone left the cake out in the rain, and it took so long to bake it. I don't know if I can make that recipe again. I don't know. This was just good, clean, trippy stuff for Beck. That's what the early 70s was like, though. We always had that weird shit. We had Scooby-Doo. I never knew Scooby and Shaggy were stoned. I just thought, I didn't know why there was all that smoke coming out of the van when I was a kid. And didn't take till I was 15, and I figured it out. That's <laughs> <laughs> 1979 witty. was the year. <laughs> I mean, Witty Poo, um, the woman who played her, I mean, she went on to do Black Cauldron for Disney. I know. I, I was trying to oh, recognize her voice is so, I mean, I knew she had done other stuff. Well, she was in Little Abner on Broadway. Was so... She was uh, gran, gran, Granny something. I can't remember the name of the character, but she was in Little but Abner. But she's very young in these. That's the, you know. Well, I've, the thing is, is that for Gary, my housemates in love was in love with Puff and stuff. Is like one of oh, no kidding. Memories. And so I contacted her, and she sent me an autographed photo for his birthday of her dressed as Witchy Poo. Oh, so I that's great. That for him. That's then, nice. So, but um, but I, I mean, the thing is, I, I mean, most of these people are dead now. That's the sad part. Well, interesting thing mm-hmm. that most of the mm-hmm. most of the people who were inside the outfits were little people. Yeah, yeah it was Angela Rosito and Billy Barty. Yeah, and um, interestingly enough, a couple of the old Musketeers from the fifties were in those costumes as well, like Sharon Bard and um, a couple of the other ones. They did definitely I, had quite the collection of people. And I, I have to say that. When I do watch it, I do think there's like, could you imagine having such an imagination and being able to bring it to life and being able to pull it off? It is. I mean, it's it today. Today's viewer probably would not appreciate it as much as what we we didn't have CGI and special effects. I mean, what you just did the best you could to bring, like you said, your imagination to life. And I, I think they did a good job. I think there was, there was, there was them with art. I mean, to be honest, yes, I mean they didn't have the CGI and everything. They had green screen back then, guys. Yeah, but you know what? This still looks better than anything in the Flash. Yeah, like I would still rather watch this ten times than watch the Flash once, despite the effects. I mean, if you look at Mama Cass, who was like a huge, huge talent at that time to appear in this. Oh, apparently she she was uh, Sid and Marty Croft's next door neighbor, and that's how they got her to do this. And I remember just the the insanity of watching this yesterday, and just the insanity of this this Nazi rat that shows up. Oh my! And then like the next scene, they're doing Mama Cass is doing a musical number, and I remember pausing it and turning to, you know turning to Sean and going. There's a Mama Cass musical number. I'm still not over that we have a Nazi rat with a German accent that's coming up and sig heiling everything. Like, what is going on in this? <laughs> it was just a different time, you know? But that Mama Cass song, I mean, 
I mean, what a con what a fantastic song, you know, different, you know, different is hard, different is lonely, different is where yeah. you, you know, and you think of the lyrics is like, I mean, it's quite a powerful little number. I it mean, is. It was. That, you know, it resonates if, with people easily, you know, and if you look well, at, and even though we had a lot of trippy stuff in the seven through the seventies growing up, but if you watch it, they all have to, they all had secret messages about be yourself. It's no yeah. way to be different. Yeah. It doesn't matter what people say. I mean, we even had a, a special called "Free to Be You and Me" by Marlo yeah. Thomas, which is all about you know, if you're a boy, you want to play with a doll, play with a doll. Yeah. If you, you know, be yourself. Be you know, be kind to one another, love each other, and everything like that. I remember and, that show. And the and the funny thing about Puffin stuff is that when you're watching it, everyone is different. They're all different characters and everything like that, but they all live in harmony. And the and you got and Witchy Poo. The problem basically is that she messes with them because she doesn't like that they're all accepting of each other. She must be the government. <laughs> well, there, there might be that kind of thing behind it. So basically, the whole thing is about you know she tries to thump them, but they all in I order for them, but in order for them to win, they all have to stick together as a group. And they get the big West system. wins. They, I think there was a little faux pas on the West wind thing. I can't remember. I gotta look that back up in my notes. Well, there's a North wind and the West wind and there's East wind. I'll, the Western wind is the one with the cowboy. It looks like John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> it oh my sounds, God, like, it sounds, it sounds like, John like John Wayne. It's a John Wayne impression. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of uh, like we had the, the chimney that sounded like Edward G. Robinson, the mushroom that sounded like James Cagney. Yeah. There were a lot of those. It was weird. And I'll, I like cultural references that they drove well. around in the little, little, I had the... no idea that Marty Croft accepted guardianship of Jack Wilde back then because uh, I guess it says, while the teenage boy was in America filming the show, Croft had two teenage daughters and said later that Wilde made my life a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, funnily can... enough, that Jack Wilde, when he came back to England, um, before he <laughs> died, he did an interview. And it's really sad because he became an alcoholic drug. Did he really? I, I didn't read about and his that. And his drug addiction went so bad that basically so his, face, his face all caved in because they're all deteriorated. Oh, he lost his nose really? And it was really sad. They had him on an interview and it's just like. See, I didn't follow the, up on him. Because he did a lot of, you know, when he went out to England after Puffin stuff, he did a lot of those. Mark Lester, him who played Oliver, and him did a lot of movies like King and right. you know, a lot of films together. And then I think Mark Lester came out of it, and then I think he kind of kept chased it. Isn't that sad? Think, Why does it always um, end up like that? Can people just, I guess, not handle fame and the pressure? Yeah. Well, I, think, well, I mean, Jack Wilde was not a, uh, he wasn't a, a child actor. He was found because he was very young. They found him in a school and they just put him in to Oliver. That's how he got Oliver. It was like someone saw him walking down the street. Okay, oh, we want. But not even so much child actors. It just seems so epidemic. You know, person does well, person finds drugs and alcohol, person declines. You know, it's so disheartening to hear. I mean, well, when I think, you you have the whole world thrown at your feet at one point. Or, you know, I, I think it's kind of what happened with Ezra Miller. Is he? You, Isn't that sad? God. There's, you know, when the whole world is thrown at your feet, and you, and basically people are like, you know, your shit doesn't stink. You're the greatest thing that ever happened in the world. You're going to, you know, it's going to get to your head. A little bit. I think maybe. Even if you're a child, I think when you're a child, it's worse as well. Yeah, when you're a child, it's even worse. Hire you when you're cute, and then when you get past a certain point, they don't want the cute actor. You're like the little puppy that grows up into the dog, and 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you kind of need like a, sh- a strong family behind you. Otherwise, you kind of go off the rails. If you look at like Shirley Temple, once she yeah. got past her age, no one could hire, no one would hire her. Once she got past the curls, and did, I mean, if you think of all the movies she made, once she yeah. got to, once she became a teenager, it's like we can't use you anymore. That's it. I think the last movie I saw her in was a John Wayne western. I'm trying to remember which one it was because she was going to marry. She married John Agar. Mm-hmm. I remember that because they, they had a romance on that film. The latest, the latest film I saw of her in like the glory days of her career was she was, she was Carrie. She was a young girl who was telling people that Cary Grant was her uh, was her lover. Is that the Bobby Soccer? Yeah, yeah, the the Bachelor and the Bobby Soccer. Really, I think that's the last one I remember. And she was like, I think like seventeen, eighteen when she made that. She was yeah. really cute, though. It's not like she did not grow up. Oh, she was she still, yeah, she was still an attractive, you know, she was still a very attractive young woman, at least in that one. I don't, uh, but they didn't know what to do with her. Uh, so, you know, once she became teenagers, like instead of doing like the four or five movies a year that she was doing, it's not like, okay, well, no, now we gotta try to find play. So she, they start, she started petering out, sort of thing. Same thing happened to um, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Macaulay Culkin's had a little bit of a resurgence now with podcasts right. and stuff because everybody loves interviewing him because apparently he went through his shit and now he came yeah. out of it. The you know he came out of oh, just knocked my light over. Uh, he came out of the other side of it and um, uh, better better for it. So he's he's had a little bit of a resurgence just Good. being a personality now. My favorite picture is Barry um, Drew Barrymore at eight years old, full of alcohol and drugs, at the Oscars, holding her head at the table. Ooh. And she's just like, and that's terrible. But she's definitely. She, she I mean, she actually had to divorce. Head. I think she had to divorce her parents. I mean, so I think Macaulay Culkin did as well, didn't he? Well, because... in, the, in Drew Barrymore's case, that was just like she. You know, I mean that so that was, that was that was a Hollywood family, like deep, deep, deep down. Like that yeah. was you know John Barrymore, Lionel right. Barrymore, all of them, Ethel, Ethel Barrymore. So that was yeah, a dynasty, is what that yeah. was. It still is. I mean, it's not like it's not like Drew Barrymore's uh, career oh, is yeah, over. Well, I got... mean, she's she's being picketed now. But uh, I thought that oh, that's right, she scabbed out on it. I was so yeah. surprised she did that. What oh did my she god, do? she's scabbing. Um, she she uh, yeah, she decided to just keep her show going even without the writers and the uh, even with uh, SAG and After uh, she picketed uh, with them, so. She was picketing with them. I was really surprised yeah. when I read that. Um, but, the money she's got, but they got to work. People got to work. What are you gonna do? I I don't know about that. I don't know. If she, I, she I mean, I money? put it this way: she's, the she last time, generations of of Hollywood behind her. Yeah, but how much did the money hold on? Because all her all her old family were alcoholics and drug addicts. That's true too. They all they yeah, were. Um, all she said, she said the last time people she, invest. These guys are. You might have actually outlived all of them by now. Yeah, well, she said the last time that she saw her father was he was, right, dr- he was drunk, passed out in the in the, in a alley. That's the last time she saw her father. Yeah, I mean, John, her her grandfather her John Barrymore. I think alcohol uh, caused his death. Yeah, you know. So, but um, yeah. So I mean, that's pretty much what happened to Jack Wilde. It's kind of sad. I mean, Sid and Marty Croft. I mean, they did go on to do. I mean, if you look, the Banana Splits only lasted for one season. Yeah, and it was. And if you look, it, if you look it, at their shows, it was very successful. Because I mean, I think I they were. I think they were expensive. 
Oh, that's right. That's what I read. They said all the puppetry and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and, right. And, right. And the whole cast. I mean, Lidsville was the same thing that lasted for one season. That's right. Electro, Electro Woman and Dina Girl. That's another one. Um, I think it was were they the glowworms or the glowbugs or something. They they lasted for one season. I think the longest was Land Land of the Lost, which lasted for two seasons. But but saying that, it's funny that you take these shows that we just mentioned that lasted for one season, and people who grew up in those times still remember them fondly. They're all yeah. still available on DVD and so on and so forth because people right. are, you know, are still into them. And that's I just know, hadn't thought about these shows in any in a long time. I mean, it really kind of was, it was like a blast from the past because I mean, that's what we did back then. Bowl cereal, cartoons, Saturday, Wahoo. Well, Puffin stuff, you can still go to the toy store in America and still buy uh Puffin stuff, stuff animal. I've not seen any. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't seen, well, I mean, a lot of our, our toys are us all closed down in this area. If you go to Target, Target has, there's a regular toy section and then there's like a separate toy section where you'll find like the Batman 1966 figures, uh, like Universal hmm. Monster toys and like stuff from like Good movies boy. and TV shows. Uh, yeah, it's at, at every Target that I've ever been to. It's not like anywhere near the center aisles that you would walk to. They're all the way off into the corner. And that's where you got to go. You got to go into the dark. I didn't know that. Target. Yeah, I'll take uh, next time I go to Target, I'll take a picture of the stuff they have there and show it to you because there's some. We don't have a Target in my town. Uh, Sean buys a lot of. uh, Sean's bought a few of the the Batman 1966 figures there, and he actually uh, bought me a Vincent Price egghead figure that I have. uh, Did he really? That I have hanging on my wall. He went in there one day. He's like, "Dude, I got something for you." And he shows up. He pulls out an egghead figure. I'm like, "That's my only Vincent Price figure." Yes, I'll take it. Thank you. (laughs) He was so goofy looking in that. It's excellent. <laughs> um, for Christmas one year, I bought Gary the Sid and Marty Croft DVD box set. Was oh, it one set with like all the shows? All the shows, yeah. Um, it had like it didn't have like every single show, but it had like a little bit of everything. You know, like a couple shows from each, um, from each series. But it also had the Sid and Marty Croft live show that went, was live that they did the Hollywood Bowl and places. Oh. And what they did... That's they right. Put, they used to do the live shows. They traveled all over. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to ask, were they, they traveling Puffin, with they it? Did, they would do a full episode of Puffin Stuff on stage. And they would Perfect. do also... Uh, but And then after the Puffin Stuff would do their show, the Brady kids would come out and sing It's a Sunshine Day. <laughs> now, that, that's where I'm That's where i ready to stick the gun in my mouth. I, I can handle anything except that fucking music. The Brady Bunch. Please oh, no. you like? I think I'll go for a walk outside. Walk outside. <laughs> I know. It's going to be stuck in my head all day now. <laughs> no. You know what I know that best from is uh, the Simpsons parodies of it. Yeah. The Simpsons parodies of the Brady show where they have Bart, Lisa, Marge, and Homer show up on stage and start singing. And it's just a terrible, terrible song. And they'd be making, you know, everybody be like, oh, I'm over them. <laughs> everybody blood crush they're, they're on the family, weren't they? What's up? Parts of family's got hits coming out. Let's throw them in. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did, yeah. Wow, well, that's and right. And Robert Ray <laughs> bloody hated doing the show until it went off the air, then he enjoyed coming back. So <laughs> this yeah, this 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 movie though is a trip, man. Like uh I, I <sighs> was it hard to watch or was it no? Just like- 
No, we're like, what the fuck? I was, yeah, it was, I was so entranced by just what the fuck am I watching <laughs> that I could not stop. I would just have the occasional, like, occasionally I'd pause it just to like let my brain catch up to what I just saw. I know Joe sitting there texting me, he goes, I'm way too sober for this shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean's just sitting there smoking. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what <laughs> that's I That's what you should have done. It would have made more uh, sense that way. <laughs> I mean, it, didn't I, matter, it didn't matter to me that it didn't make sense. <laughs> it, I thought it was a fun. I thought it was fun revisiting it for sure. I mean, I I like that, you know, I just like all the different characters as well, because I mean, there's Judy, Judy Frog is um basically. Judy Frog. Oh, my God. I so forgot about Judy fucking Frog. Is that, the, mean, li is that the Liza he, Minnelli frog? No, it's Judy Garland. Oh, it's supposed to be Judy Garland. OK. Yeah, because um they knew her. But what about Puffin Stuff's girlfriend, Shirley Puffin Stuff? Puffin Stuff. I know, not to mention that Puffin Stuff himself looked like a large phallus. I'm sorry, he does. He just looks like a thing. You gotta wonder what they were trying to do to us back then. What was exactly the message going so does, on? <laughs> so does this kid just end up staying there? Because I don't see him leaving at the end. He he kind of yeah. just... He well, I, I, what I found quite weird about the whole thing is that he doesn't have any family. He doesn't have folks. Isn't that convenient? Well, well he he's out there. He's on the yeah. ship. And he ends up, I guess, I don't know. I guess he doesn't have anybody, does he? He, he ends up running afoul of Witchy Poo when he's on his boat. Right. Well, the funny thing about it is that, and the thing is, is I watched some episodes and stuff like this. Because I had to, well, and Gary's got the whole set on DVD. I probably should sit down and watch it at some point. But the episodes are now about him trying to get home. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I have a dark for series. What do you think I have about a it? Really dark theory about what this about what this is, and that's we're seeing a lonely kid who has no friends. His mind completely snaps, and he starts thinking <laughs> the flutes and the trees and shit are talking to him. The flute. I forgot about the flute. See all this stuff. Like, I had totally buried way. He completely. That's my theory. Is he's completely cracked, and he has completely lost his mind, and he does not. He's somebody who is walking around the streets talking to himself. That's that what, could have been a skit. Well, the weird, the weirdest thing is, I saw an episode of HR Province stuff, and I didn't pick this up as a kid, but being an adult, I see. I don't know how this got through, but Witchy Poo is trying to steal. Freddie the flute. And yep. Freddie goes, Save me, Jimmy, save me, you gotta blow me. <laughs> You're like, what? So he takes him out and starts blowing on this flute and bringing the flute in and out of his mouth. They're like, <laughs> oh my God, what am I watching? When I was a kid, I didn't pick this up at all. Being an adult, being quite perverted it's like, I'm telling you, there's all kinds of shit that goes over my head, but I, I mean, I mean a lot of shit. Like even the Disney movies, even even the old ones. Oh, they always they, there was always stuff there for the adults to get for the adults to get that we weren't supposed to get. Yeah, but kids. blow me, Jimmy, blow me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that I've never seen. I, I'm gonna have to find that clip now because that's. <laughs> oh my god. It's true. So that's so that's from the show. Okay. Blow me, Jimmy. <laughs> I, 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 I like see more. I like see more of the um 
I like to see more of the um, spider as well. I think he's quite cool. And I like Kling and Clang, the two people who drive the little bus. <laughs> uh, so so um, Seymour the Spider is the great um, uh, midget actor, uh, Angelo Rosito, who I um, – if you've ever seen um, – Spooks Run Wild, I think. Spooks Run Wild. He's Bella Lugosi's uh, midget assistant who basically dresses like a like a mini Bella Lugosi. He's in a lot of horror movies in the the forties, fifties, sixties, and into the seventies. Um, we never see his face in this, obviously, because he's you know he's he's under uh, he's under a costume. But I really love seeing. Him. There was one thing that we caught when Witchy Poo yells out Seymour. It sounded like. Um, Sounded like uh, on The Simpsons uh, when Principal Skinner's mom calls him. <laughs> and, made, and made Sean and I both wonder, is The Simpsons, is that a reference to Puffin stuff? I wouldn't be shocked. Is that show like reference? a running maybe? joke. Well, yeah, at the same time, though, we had Ronald Dahl making uh, the Willy Wonka stuff at the same era. And then there was all that weird neo-psychedelic crap was going. I mean, that's just what they were doing back then. <laughs> Well, Angelo Rosito also played Clang, so that's quite cool. But I mean, I was quite shocked when I found out that Sharon Bard, who was with the you know the Mickey Mouse Club, one of the original Mickey Mouse, I didn't know that. I didn't see that when I was reading about it. Yeah, and I was quite shocked that she—that's what she went for after you know. You know, they wanted Betty Davis to play Boss Witch. Corrupted. Well, it's amazing they got Martha Ray because apparently she was she can be quite difficult, Martha Ray. Really, you think so? <laughs> He's not. She was. That's the reason why she wasn't used to us because she was quite difficult. I mean, I she. I mean, she, she's the one that married that gay guy who kind of took her for all her money before she died. No shit. I got. She's I did like read about that. You got this really gay guy going. Oh, you're one. I'm your. I'm your husband now, girlfriend. I'm surprised. That's that's a what a that's a weird combination for her. I. She was like, she used to be a real beautiful. She was in um, Abbott Costello movies too, I believe, back in the day. Yeah, she was a big um, Hollywood star as well at that time. She, was, she I, used to. She was. She sang some too. Yeah, she did um, Pippin with William Cat from Carrie. So she was um, the grandmother in that. So, so that, she, did, that was making me crazy. Where I'd seen her before, I, I've known since I've grown up. I've heard and seen her voice, and it's just making me crazy. I couldn't figure out. I had to look to see where I saw her. That well, voice. Hayden, so I mean, you know, Mammy Yoakum is what she played in um, Little Abner. Okay. So, and um, I mean, she was in the Merry Widow, Blossom Time, but she, I mean, she was in the Paul Lynn Halloween special. She did, she was in Bewitched, yeah. as well. She was the witch in the um, Gingerbread House with the Hansel and Gretel episode. Um, she was. She did Murder. She wrote. She was in General Hospital. In 1981 and 1985, she did the oh. monkey as well. You know, so she's done quite a bit, quite a few little things as well. Problem Child, she was in. Right. Uh, she did one of the voices for the Nightmare for Christmas. Did um, she? She was one of the witches in uh, one of the Shrek sequels too. She was the voice of one of the witches. Mm. So yeah, she's Those are the lot. best witches. There's just nothing about Shrek I can find wrong. I don't give a shit who shits all over it. I freaking love uh, Shrek. I don't care. 
But one of the other one of the other voices that I that I recognized was uh, Don Messina, who was the original Scooby Doo voice. And the reason I I, I recognized him is because there's a line in here where he cries out, "Where are you?" And Sean and I both looked at each other. It's like it sounded like Scooby Doo. Where are you? And then I looked it up. Like sure enough, that was Don Messina doing the voice, uh, the original Scooby Doo voice. He's he's long since passed away, obviously. Um, so yeah, he was one of the famous voices uh voices in this too. This this had a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff in it that a lot of fun little easter eggs that well, it was it's just a fun flag. That now pop culture wise you 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 know having never seen this before, now pop culture wise I kind of get some of the references in retrospect that other shows and movies have done to this. So it's uh well, yeah. I don't know if it would translate well into our Well, the witch who basically um you know, she she died what two years ago? Yeah, she's in twenty fourteen. No, twenty twenty one. Oh, really? Twenty twenty one. She was like ninety six. Oh yeah. no, shit! I thought she died for who was I? She lived a nice and long. If you ever hear that song, have you ever heard of that group called Pet Hope about they find homes for an, uh, abandoned animals? She started that, and she's she's the president of it. Well, that's nice. Yeah, a lot. I, I notice a lot of a lot of actors go into animal rescue later on and start. Opening I'm so up glad that they do too. Uh, Linnea Quigley's doing a lot of that uh, lately. Is she She's really? Doing, That's yeah, great. Doing That's a lot great. of stuff for like finding finding homes for law for stray dogs and stuff like that. She's a she's a big animal lover. That's great. I mean, how I, how I, the thing is, good. if you wanted to get a autograph picture of Witchy Pooh or uh, Billy Hayes. If you donated money to Pet Hope, then that's what that's how you got it, and she would sign. You know it. what? That's a good thing. That's a, that's a that's that a is good a very way. good thing. That's a good way to use your celebrity to to, to to you know to help some to it's productive you know to, towards a good cause. You know, instead of just lining your own pockets, so good for her. Yeah, yeah. that is great. So, I David, did. being uh, European, what are your thoughts of HR Puffins? <laughs> <laughs> Don't spare us, David. Um. But at first, I have to say, I didn't know it was um, the movie was very much like a musical and this like sort of hippie version of a musical. So I thought at first I was a little bit like culturally shocked. I didn't know what I was watching. God I realized, no, 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 no. <laughs> you None of us knew what we were watching. <laughs> no, but then, but then I actually appreciated it. I understood the sort of genre that I was watching and I was like, okay, that's fine. So the costumes, for example, they were nice, they were amazing. There's a lot of work that went. For the show um i mean the story is very simple very short but obviously it had the teaching of like you know when they say when good friends pull together they can't do anything so that there's a sort of teaching at the end anyway but That's the thing that i loved i loved the most <laughs> was the flipping roasting of the witches one against each other and making jokes and going against each other it was the most hilarious thing it looked like watching one of those like uh uh, I can't remember. Drag race. Do you know, yeah, but no, do you, on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, when they do, um, oh gosh, I can't remember when they sit down and start making fun of each other and make jokes, and oh gosh, I can't remember it anymore. But anyway, it looked very much like that, and it was hilarious. I mean, I mean, which Hazel was uh, was absurd. I loved it. Uh, um, do you, I don't know if you remember when um, uh, uh, Witchy Boo called her, and she was in this like bath covered in fruit, and she was just talking about. The- it was just, it was just, I, I mean, are you sure she wasn't a man? Because the face looked like a man. And then she was talking and the female voice came out. They were all women. That's Mama Cass. Yeah. 
From the mamas to the papas, you know, uh, California, California dreaming, yeah. It was just make your own kind of music. Mama Cat. Yeah, I, I love the bat that would fly in and slam into the wall all the time. I love giving the 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 the, um, the news too late and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it was hilarious. I liked it. Um, but there there were a lot of jokes that I find hilarious. They were like silly jokes, you know. And then that's the sort of fun I like, and I understand it's not too intellectual. That makes sense. But uh, I mean, I liked it. It was just. At first, I thought like, okay, this is a lot, but then you think, <laughs> oh, did, but then you think about it, it's like, okay, you understand this is a genre, you understand the context. It's like, I'll give an example. It's like when I started rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, it's an old show, and there are jokes. They're like, <laughs> did you know they're making a new Buffy with the I, original I do not characters? Accept, I do not accept it. You won't even with the original characters. Well, the original, well, I might think about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the, the version everybody loves of Buffy is, is you know, isn't the original anyway, because there was that there was that movie with Chrissy Swanson and Luke Perry. And Paul Rubens. And Paul Rubens yeah. with the greatest death scene that was, yes, He was freaking awesome <laughs> in that. I I, I was uh, I was like ten years old when that movie came out, and I loved it so much that when the uh, the Scholastic Book Fair was in town, I bought the novelization of it. Because, Did you really? Yeah, so I could I could keep reading it. <laughs> oh my god, Scholastic Book Fairs! Only where you could twenty dollars get a two or three posters and five thousand horror books, and you were just in like Lynn. <laughs> I love that. I love that about them. I, mean, I, I, love, I love this. I love the Scholastic Book Club at school. Yes, I will. I, I I would buy so many Goosebumps books and so many. Uh, yeah. oh, I used to Saturday read them. Yeah. I used well, to read them. We still have a collection in Italy. From and they would have the movie stills of it, and be of the movie. Like I had like the Invasion of the Body Snatchers in nineteen seventy six, and had like all the pictures, and then be like in a comic book. You know, uh, my 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 school library. They never sold these, but then I ended up finding them all on eBay. Uh, the old uh, Universal Monster books that would be like Dracula, and inside would be like all the photos. And be, uh, I collected the shit out of those when I uh, when I when they started selling them like on eBay. And some of them were expensive, like the Godzilla one was like forty fifty bucks. But I was like, nope, gimme, <laughs> I want I that the, now. I bought the novelization to Scholastic uh, of Halloween. The the movie. I, book never read, that I read one. it and it had and the weird thing about it, it had all the thorn stuff in it oh, this really? is that's right the the the, the, first, the uh the novelization did um mm -hmm. i bought the novelization for the 89 batman um what else and i mean we'll, we'll go into these with the amicus god i wish that stuff wasn't in storage in la because uh um all of our chetwin hayes uh books that were used for the amicus films they re-released them in conjunction with the amicus movies so i have like different versions of those with like the really? amicus poster art they're in my storage in la though i gotta i gotta get my ass out there and get all this stuff and bring it out some of the movie posters i have in there are probably worth a fortune um yeah, I'm yeah, jealous. I'm, I just, love, I'm just contemplating what you have, and I'm just. I, I love novelizations, jealous. though. I love novelizations, though, because there's so, uh, the 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 infamous one is uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, 
has a novelization uh, the novelization version has a subplot that was in an early version of the screenplay but didn't end up in the movie where Jason Voorhees father is back and he's kind of like guiding them and I've never read it and I now it's no too ex- now it's too expensive get a copy of that's like two three hundred dollars seriously I've never yeah. even heard that novelization yeah. at all um, there, there is a there is a cut scene from that movie where the, you see the father. Yeah, there was a yeah. cut really? scene, but it didn't go anywhere else. There's actually a, a series of Friday the Thirteenth fan films on YouTube. If you look them up, it's called uh, Vengeance. I'll, I'll send you the link uh, uh, later on. But they're they're fan films. Diana Prince is in one of them. Really? Um, yeah, Darcy the Mail Girl from Joe Bob. She's in one of them. Okay. Well, she was in quite a few. She had quite a few little bits and bobs pieces yeah. here and there. But yeah. these uh, these movies are direct sequels to Friday the Thirteenth Six, and they have uh, they they put in the the Jason's father subplot. I didn't know that. I never knew that. I'll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find it. I, I watched one a couple weeks ago. I haven't watched the second one yet. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll send it to you. Fine. Oh no, they're they're yeah they're prominent on YouTube. You know, just look up uh, Friday the Thirteenth yeah. Vengeance on YouTube, yeah, well. and you they will they will pop right up. Yeah, that's the yeah. I love it. I love the stuff novelization. Follow, but... I think I think Sean's I think Sean has the novelization of Batman as well. I think, I, he, I, I, think, I think he told <laughs> I th- Oh yeah. No, it, this is and this is why when we when Keith said Batman the animated series, I said you gotta bring Sean in on this. Sean's 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 my oh, go to for anything Batman. Oh, shit, I talk, that guy knows everything. Anything about Batman. Batman, I turn around, I look at him and go, yo, okay. Definitely the go-to dude for Batman, no doubt. Yeah, one one year I bought him the uh, the Batman Encyclopedia for the 1966 series, and it's it's out there. So anytime anytime we need to know something, he goes and flips through it for the 66 series. He goes flips through it, finds it in two seconds. (laughs) But yeah, I I absolutely love novelizations of 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 movies because a lot of times there's stuff in there like. Like I, I said, read one in a while. They they base them off of like the first screenplay that that that's done, and the like, screenplay will go through rewrite and rewrite and rewrite until it hits the screen. The novelization is based on the on the first screenplay. Right. So there's stuff in there that never made it to the movie, like got cut out in like the second or third draft. I did. I haven't. I haven't seen. I haven't read a novelization of movies. In a while. I used to in the eighties. I used to read the novelization. I don't know well, if they still make them at this point. No, I mean they used to do. I mean they used to do them all the time. Alien had one. Yeah, yeah. All the it, like all of the Indiana Jones movies, they had them. Yeah, Lots of I had all those. I've read, I've read them. Just well, Indiana Jones and Star Wars ended up becoming like their own cottage industry. Right. Like they have all these spinoffs mm-hmm. of every single thing. I, I think Alien Two, they did comic books of Aliens as well. Yeah, I think they are Dark Horse or. Yeah. That was the yeah. thing in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Used to do comic books of everything, you know, comic books of RoboCop, the Toxic Avenger, yeah. and cartoon shows of all of those, mm-hmm. you know. And it was. I it remember was... Toxie. <laughs> Tox Toxie's technically in the Marvel universe. He's not, you kinda, know, kind of, yeah. Uh, the Toxic Avenger comics were put out by Marvel Comics, and now uh, because of James Gunn, Lloyd's in both the uh, DC and Marvel universes, different characters. That's right, though. <laughs> Yeah, get him back. Right they're, um, I mean, they what they do now. They do new novelizations now, but they do them on computer games now. So you can get Resident Evil, Halo, and they do it on computer games now. So, but I mean, Resident Evil and Halo started out as video games anyway. So yeah, so but they do novelizations of the stories. Like you can get like Resident Evil One will be the novelization of the first game, then the two, second, third. Maybe like a, or maybe we get graphic novels more now too. Yeah. Yeah, like, like. 
now. Well, before we move on to our next film, why don't we rate Puffin Stuff? Starting with you, Vix. What do you rate Puffin Stuff? Five gummies. Love that. <laughs> it's a five gummy movie for it's sure. It's a five gummy movie. It won't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it's great. It was a blast from the past. I thought, I'm going to watch more of them after that. I saw them all. It's like, I've got them all lined up now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Sam Davide? What do you rate it? Well, I'm going to have to give it five pills. <laughs> so 100%. It was fun. I liked it. I mean, it was hilarious. Once you understand the context and the genre, it could be fun. <laughs> I liked it. It's something that you'll never forget. No, no, we won't. <laughs> what about yourself, Joe? How, how many? Um, four to four and a half, because it, it has an energy, man. It has an energy that is completely out of this Ooh, world. Non believer. <laughs> Oh, uh, you think I'm harsh now? Wait till we get to the next movie. Uh, <laughs> this, this, no, this has a. I, I give it four, four and a half. It's not perfect. It's got its warts, but I love the. I, I love how absolutely fake everything looked. I like. I, I think it actually works for this. I love the. Um, I, I love the energy of this movie. The energy of this movie is so perfect. And like I said, at one point, I'm like, there's a fucking Nazi rat who's Sig Heiling and speaking with a German accent. I'm not over this yet. And Mama Cass. I guess I must. I guess we must be. I guess we must be numb because I that was just normal shit back then. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, back then you had a lot of Nazi exploitation movies and stuff like that. There was too. a lot, yeah. So yeah, it but blazing it, saddles. They make fun of them. I mean, okay. like you know. That's true too. I've got a question. When when you say. I can't get over this part. Do you mean, is it because these days with the politically correctness, they wouldn't do it? Oh, no, no, I don't mean in that way. I mean, I couldn't get over the just the, little absurdity, the absurdity of it is what I mean. I don't mean it like in a negative way. Like, oh, my oh, okay, God, okay, this okay, took okay, me out of this understood. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I should I, 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 yeah, because yeah, I well, just think that was hilarious. Was kind of, I mean, it was funny. I should clarify that. It's just the, well, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to point out this person's evil what better way to do it than have a nazi, nazi with that person <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, mean I couldn't nazi. get over the absurdity of what i was seeing okay, and okay, then okay. oh my god here's another mama cast musical number yeah. <laughs> like, that's, the that's what i'm talking about like, <laughs> like we just didn't think about that shit back then that's all i also remember that the, the, the nazi rat was actually asking for forgiveness to her when they were flying back after the whole scene right. with the angels. I was like, oh, please, what did I do wrong? And I was like, <laughs> okay, it's not really a... But anyway. I mean, it's the whole thing is so broad. Like, the comedy is so broad. You see everything coming before it gets there, but it's satisfying. It's fun. It is a lot, a lot of fun. I'm going to give it a five because... Every time I watch it, I, I haven't I haven't watched this film a lot. This is probably no, the third time. I remember um, my flatmate Gary was looking for the movie forever, and it, it took him forever to release this on DVD. And he, when it finally was released, I got him a copy. And then I, I actually I bought a copy of it for myself. I think I need this in my collection, so I did buy a copy this time around. I did that yesterday. As soon as I finished watching it, I threw it on my card on Amazon. I'm like, this. I need to own this one. <laughs> was he supposed to be a dinosaur though? Before I forget, uh, no, dragon. He, he, no, he's a dragon. Bop, bop, dragon. 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 I see. I knew. I never knew that. 
and um, never knew that. You but there's like a, a lot of to me. <laughs> but there's a lot of things I love about it because the thing is, you have the little creature that rides in the in her vacuum broom thing, that fuzzy <laughs> bird or whatever oh, it that. is. And I love him. I love the, I love the Indian tree and the woman tree, <laughs> and it's like, and then the alarm clock, and this is like just so much. And damn and blue. I, every time I think about it, I think of something else, and I think of something else, and I think of something else that I remember. And yeah, I think, I think on repeat viewing, I think it's like, I'm going to notice something different each and every uh, time. Which... I, I'll, I'll tell you this: you know, this is Sean's first time watching it too. Yesterday, when we when we watched it, he was like, "I kind of want, I want to watch this again." And I'm like, "Yeah, I got a feeling both of us are going to be buying the Blu-rays of this for our collections." Um, Goofies. <laughs> and you know, to take a show that it's a. 13 episodes only played for one season and then was repeated re incessantly. Was it and because of the finances? Is that why they did? It was an expensive show to do apparently. And from what from what I was seeing on the on the DVD, there's some little bit of extras, not a lot. But when you think about it, it became a cultural icon and it still kind of is a cultural icon till this day. So I think they did ice follies and stuff with these guys too. I mean, I think they just did the whole gamut. If I remember correctly. And I remember um, watching shows and all of a sudden Puffin stuff would pop out on, on the side on some variety show or something. <laughs> I know, there's Puffin stuff. So, so yeah, so I give it a solid five. And speaking of dragons, this brings us to The Never-Ending Story, which is a 1984 fantasy film co-written and directed by Wolfgang Peterson in his first English-language film and based on 1970 novel, 1979 novel, The Never-Ending Story by Michael End. It was produced by Bernard Etridge and Dieter Gessler and stars Noah Hathaway, Barrett Oliver, Tammy Stranich, Patricia Hayes, Sidney Bromley, Gerald McRae, and Moses Gunn, with Alan Oppenheimer providing the voices of Falkar and Mork, as well as other characters. It follows the boy who finds a magical book that tells of a young warrior who is given the task of stopping the nothing, a dark first force from engulfing the Wonderland world of Fantasia. At the time of its release, it was the most expensive film produced outside the United States or the Soviet Union. It was the first in the never-ending story film series. It adapts only the first half of the book and consequently does not convey the message of the title as it was portrayed in the novel. The second half of the book was subsequently used as a rough basis for the second film, The Never-Ending Story 2, The Next Chapter. The third film, The Never-Ending Story 3, Escape from Fantasia, has an original plot not based on the book. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Never-Ending Story and be right back. What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! Enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. 
a world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish, believed in a fantasy, or had a dream, this is the never-ending story. Hello, welcome back to the Literature License Podcast. We're discussing the never-ending story from 1984. So, Davide, what are your thoughts on the never-ending story? Um, first of all, I grew up with this movie. I watched it when I was younger, so I am a little bit biased and I like the story. Um, it's a fantasy, so definitely my favorite genre. There is a teaching in the story, which is kind of like, okay, you grow up, you have to keep your feet on the ground, but at the same time, remember to be... Uh, you know, uh, tapping into the fantasy world and the imagination. Don't forget about that, because otherwise, without that, you don't follow your dreams, you don't follow your hopes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I cannot, I cannot not love it if that makes sense. I I just gotta love it. Uh, I've never read the book, unfortunately. I only watched the movie, but rewatching it as an as a more adult person, I could see a lot of things that I didn't see when I was younger. A lot of little teaching, a lot of things in life. For example, like the scene of the sphinxes, when they kind of tell them, "Oh, you know, the sphinxes are there." I mean, the oracle, they call them the oracles, um, and they're there, and they know everything, and they look through your soul, etc. Um, it's like a metaphor, like like looking into yourself and find the confidence and trying to do what you want. It's kind of like the, the gate of the mind that you have to cross over and you know just get on with your life and do the things you want to do. It's it's a beautiful story, I think. As a child, you're watching in a way, and as an adult, you're watching in a different way because you're more adult, you understand more things, I guess. Um, I, I generally loved it, to be honest. I generally loved it. I was, to be honest, watching, I mean, I, I saw, I went to the movie theaters when this came out, saw it, um, enjoyed it, never watched it since. Um, were we watching really? it this time? No, well, you not, know, my kids well, had to watch I mean, it. it. Well, it came on TV, but it's like, you know, there's other stuff to watch. And it's not that I liked it when I first, not that I was against right, it. Gotcha. But, but it's like, yeah. oh, I've seen that sort of thing. Rewatching mm-hmm. it, I was quite amazed how well it keeps up. It stays up. Yeah. I mean, it still looks good. I was quite surprised at how it still looks good. Considering it's all practical fast. There's no CGI. There's nothing. It's all practical fast. It cost fast. 100 million without CGI. You know the head of Falcar cost wait two hundred pounds. Just the head of the dragon. Wow. Uh, and the, you know, there's a lot of character. Of course, you know, you mentioned um, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Well, the little guy from Loompa Loompa from there. Oh uh, yeah, Deep Roy. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my god, he's in that. Oh yes. <laughs> I I was wondering if that was him at the beginning, and then at the end when I saw the credit, I'm like, oh, it is Deep Roy. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, to be honest, the only thing I thought I thought he made I thought he was new to the, the scene when he did the Tim Burton film, so I was quite shocked. Um, but you know, and I quite what I found quite weird is which I quite liked is that you have the reality, and you know, with the father and stuff like this, which is mm-hmm. you know, Delta right, Simon and Simon, star Simon and Simon, or Delta. Delta Burke's husband. <laughs> Darren, I was gonna say it's Major Dad. Yeah, Major Dad. Yeah, him as well. Yeah, that's the same character, isn't it? But um, and then he um, you know, so you have like this realistic thing, and then when he starts reading the book, and then we kind of go in this fancy world where it has a totally different look, which is quite good. But 
I personally would love to have that attic in my school that he's in. <laughs> See, I, love, yeah. I love that attic. Like, what a fucking cool attic. God, what we didn't have an attic like that in my school. <laughs> no, not at all. Trust me. We didn't even have attics, did we? Mm. I don't think we had attics at any of my schools. I, I mean, mean the we, fun- we must have had attics in the school. It's just we never went up there. It'd be something like just a maintenance guy would go to, you know? Yeah, maybe. Mm. I just don't recall having attics. But I found that the only time that the only thing that didn't work for me is the end scene where he's riding folk through the streets. Yeah, I agree. It ruins it. Yeah, in a way, it kind of did because because I think it's because when he's chasing the the bullies, everything worked within this fantasy world, and everything looks beautiful. But then when you brought okay. the fantasy world world into the rea- the real world, it's like it looked really fake. I was oh no no I didn't I didn't I didn't mean that way. I loved um, how he got the bullies back at the end. Those I things. was cheering, hoping Falcor would eat the bullies. That's what yeah. I wanted. <laughs> yeah, but this, this this is exactly the part I didn't like. So you um, I mean this is this is briefly my analysis. So you have the fantasy and the reality, and then the kids separate him because the the fantasy is sort of like an escapism from the difficulties of reality. The bullies, the school, the dead, the, the dead mother, etc. And then the father telling telling him off. So he kind of runs away in this fantasy world of the books, and the guy. You know, when he steals the book, it's like, oh, this is a secret book. You can't read it. It's too difficult, whatever. He takes the challenge, learns a lesson about, you know, tapping into the fantasy and the imagination, etc. So at the end, it would have been better if the fantasy was in his heart and then he would face the bullies on his own. When you have the dragon helping him, the luck dragon helping him to fight the, the, the bullies, it doesn't feel right as an ending. It feels like... Well, but this is not reality. So how are you actually facing the guys? Because the kids watching the show thinking, how am I going to learn to face the bullies? You're not going to have a dragon to face the bullies. You want to face them yourself. So do you see, it's kind of like you still have the separation of fantasy and reality instead of like finding a conundrum. I, mean, I don't know. This is the way I saw it. I would have loved to. Well, I had a ta- I to be able like to I had a down ending. Well, yeah, I, I didn't uh, really like the ending. Apparently, I liked the, I loved the movie. Well, let's not forget about the bone-crushing, soul-crushing swamp of fucking sadness and how it destroyed my childhood watching our text round. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think the, the, the sadness that finally drove our text to just give up was the thought of being in the rest of this movie. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this thing was a fucking slog. But uh, apparently the, the person who hates it the most is the author of the novel. Apparently he hated the ending. He too. hated it. Yeah. He hates the movie, says it's soulless. and uh, Yeah, it's I read silly. that. It's yeah. silly. It's very silly. I found myself just bored to tears by this movie. Oh, I really man. liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, love it. Like, oh, I love it. Like I love it. I've every, always loved it. I, I, yeah, I, you know, and I totally accept. I'm going to be the odd man out on this because uh, oh, appa- apparently, every, I think it's great that you are for once. <laughs> like okay, every everybody loves this movie, and I'm like, yeah. and I was just like bored to tears I by say it. everybody ev- because everything just kind of opens up. It gets to you know, it gets um. A, a problem comes, it's resolved immediately. It feels very anticlimactic throughout the whole thing. And I felt that for a okay. film that is supposed to be espousing the magic of storytelling, I felt like uh-huh. the storytelling was the weakest part. It looks beautiful. 
Right. I love all the set design. I love all the practical effects. Everything looks amazing. I love the design on everything in this movie. Everything in this movie looks phenomenal, but it's just the story I just could not get around. I could not. I, I just kept finding. I just kept finding myself going. Never-ending story. Is it? Is that a challenge? Is that a threat? Because this felt like it was never-ending. It just felt like it was just droning on and on to me. What was this me. movie? How was it like an hour and what? It was the longest. Minutes. It was the longest. Ninety, 90, 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah. The longest ninety-three minutes of my life. Oh, I really felt like it would not end. For me, it kind of just people, though, I mean, it went through quite quickly for me for some reason. Well, if 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 you had taken the acid like you did with Puff and Star, <laughs> then you would have appreciated a little bit more. To be honest, <laughs> Puff, to be honest Puff, I was kind of dreading seeing this. I put it on the list only because it's Dark Families, and I figured, you know, it's it's a film that was a huge success at this time. It was mm-hmm. my sequel, so I figured. Well, it's something that's you know that we can rediscover and look look at look at it now because I said before I haven't seen it before, and I was kind of thinking I bet you this is going to bore the hell out of me. Surprisingly enough, it didn't. I actually quite enjoyed it. I was quite shocked. I was shocked that I actually was enjoying myself watching it. You know, and I, I was um, the opposite. I thought I'd go in and be like, okay, I'm I'm going to love this because it's, and I felt the opposite, man. I felt like wow, this is just boring the crap out of me. But you know. Whatever, man. Like, like you always say, we always, uh, we always have our differing opinions on things. And I think the reason why I think I think the reason why I like the film though is because when they were in Fantasia, that's what I enjoyed. But I think I enjoyed the spectacle of the whole situation and looking at it because I love the way the, the way Falcar like I like the rock eating giant. I like, oh, cute. I like the the fast snail. I like John Bonet on John Bonet uh, Ramsey as the little princess. I'm kidding. <laughs> that wasn't that's, John Bonet. That's Williams. fucking dark. <laughs> you are a vile human being. <laughs> Mr. Joke, you have to explain it to me. <laughs> what do you expect? Uh, look who we're dealing John, with. <laughs> John Bonet Ramsey said. Uh, she yeah, does da- look like her though. Da- 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 David Davide said to explain the the reference. Yeah, because I missed that. I'm I'm slow. John Bonet <laughs> Ramsey is an infamous um, child pageant. Oh gosh. Um, what, what would you call him? Child pageant. Uh, she's a child. Uh, she's queen. a. And basically, is like you know where they paint queen. they paint she's them a... all up. They paint them all up as adults, and they parade them in like these child pageants. Oh, yeah, she murdered, was she was uh, murdered in her home, and no one knows what who did it. And so, like, an sexually abused point. too. That's even what's worse about it. So, yeah. there's where the darkness lies in on top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the prevailing she theory does seems, look like her though. The she prevailing goes, theory seems to be that her father might have done it. The brothers, the final, or the brothers, or is that who it is that everyone thinks it's a bro- oh, Okay, so it might have been the brothers. But we'll never it's, know. We'll never know about that one. This was yeah, supposed we'll to be they... like a family-friendly podcast. We've gone back to flipping horror again. Well, she was part. Of, she was part of a family, so we're not that far off. I mean, I, I, it is also dark families. And to be it fair, to be fair, oh, yeah, that's true. Dark is family. a six is a six or seven year old or or even twelve year old going to be nostalgic for? The never-ending story, a movie that came out for you know 39 yeah. years ago. So well, you know, this, the, guy, the guy that plays Atreyu, he's he's a ta- he's a hot tattoo artist. I looked him up. He's also he turned it, he never went back to acting, and he turned into um he's he survived several brushes with death, apparently. 
And he grew up to be a martial arts instructor, and he's a tattoo artist in L.A. And oh. he will—he's just—he's just gorgeous now. Well, he was cute when he was a kid, but he's well, just he, stayed away from that Hollywood stuff, I guess. After that, well, he didn't even—he didn't even, he didn't even get into the Oliver didn't, didn't come. Did he come back for any of the sequels? Uh, none of them came no. back for the sequels. Though, no, any, none no. of them did. Uh, the father of the was John Wesley Ship from The Flash. Jonathan Brandis ended up uh, playing. Um, uh, what's I've never his watched name? Uh, uh, yeah, top the first one. The, the little kid in the attic. Uh, uh, oh, Bastion. Bastion. Yeah, Bastion ended up being yeah. uh, ended up being played by Jonathan Brandis. I kind of like that name. And then none of them even came back after that because in the third one it's a completely different cast again. Yeah. And it's weird watching the the budgets decline in each one to the I point. I don't even where... know why they did a second one. You know. Well, they did because I think it's because they did the first they did the first part of the book apparently. It, this movie ended up becoming a huge success. Yeah. So I guess it would make sense let's do the second one, but I guess they didn't do they just used bits and parts of the second part of the the book that it's based on. And then bastardized it, but then oh. kind of wondering is like, well, I mean, the people who were in the original didn't go on to be like huge stars. I mean, I, you know, Barrett Oliver outside of Tales from the Dark, Dark Side, yeah, Tales not, from the Dark Side, yeah, yeah, he did that anthology movie, but he didn't really. I mean, he wasn't. He, he didn't go on to be a huge star. None went on to be huge stars. So you're kind of thinking, why didn't any of them come back for the sequel? None of them came back. Then he got a, got, a, got a big nod and a kick in the ass again after Stranger Things because they kept referring to that in the last season of that, too. So a lot of people rewatched it after that. And it was well, you had the little kid, yeah, the little kid, the one with the funny mouth and the curly hair singing the theme song, didn't you? Yeah. They, no, he was in the, he, him and the girl, and they had a crush on each other. They kept singing the never ending story to each other. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, if you listen to the background vocals of that song, the backing vocals, because she was work, working with Georgia Marauder, is E.G. Daly. Isn't oh, that's that, right. Happy, happy that's birthday. Right. Oh, oh, oh. She, happy, she happy birthday, we by the way. That day? Did she happy, happy birthday to E.G. Daly. It was her birthday uh, Wednesday really? or Thursday. Yeah. yeah. She's still kicking it. She is. Did she talk about that? We interviewed her, but I have since slept. I, I think yeah, she, she mentioned she mentioned singing on the Georgia Marauder. Because she, she's saying at the same time she did the never ending stories back in vocals, she was doing the start the Scarface um soundtrack. Okay. And and then she's also doing the Philip Oakey and Georgia Marauder album singing the backing vocals for that. And she's probably know, filming together in Electric Dream. We'll always be together forever long. She's probably doing Pee Wee's and Ben at the same time. She's oh, you know what? No, that's probably when she was when this was coming out. Is probably when she was filming Pee Wee's Big Adventure because that came yeah. out in '85. Yeah. So yeah, when this was coming out was when she was doing that. She was a busy. She was busy in the '80s. Well, yeah, busy. she did. I know the '90s too. She did affairs. She did that. She did Bad Dreams, the horror film Bad Dreams. She still have to see. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. And she's still she's still active today. She's part of Rob Zombie's uh, repertoire of actors. Yeah. You know, I love so, her in Rob Zombie movies. She's so petite. She's, she's so itty bitty up against. She's yeah. She's uh, she's one of the hookers in um, uh, the Devil's Rejects. Uh, yeah. Thirty one. She's she's, a, she's, a she's in thirty one. She's sex head. Yeah, she's the one that uh, yeah. fucks you to death. Um, uh, she. I, I mean, the biggest thing she ever did. She became the voice of Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. Yeah. yeah. So, and babe, yeah. oh, and happy and babe, feet. Yeah. Ha oh, the talked a lot feet. about that. Powerpuff Girls. 
Yeah, she was one of the Powerpuff Girls with Tara Strong, who's another one that became one of the huge, you know, mm-hmm. voice actresses. I think she's Harley Quinn. Wait, no, when when did Tara Strong become Harley Quinn? I think in the new series. She's a, I think she's Harley Quinn now, right? Yeah. So, yeah, she's – and, yeah, the, the, the E.G. Daily. For, go look up her interview uh, with us from two years ago. Yeah, it was about uh, two years ago. Yeah, go if she you're was listening so to this. So much fun to talk to. She really was. Oh, she's a she's an absolute sweetheart. It was it was it was so she was so easy to talk to. She's yeah, she's a real doll. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, never ending story. Also, I mean, you know, produced a really good, a famous song as well. I mean, if you think of the song, the song's quite simple, but God, I yeah. mean, it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. Still is. People still use it for all kinds of shit. Yeah, but we were like, also. We were also a little bit more genuine back in the days. We didn't need to talk about pussy and twerking just to make money, you know, if you know what I mean. So, no, I'm all over that. Yeah, I agree. I actually went to the movies and um, I was in the waiting for what was it, Moulin Rouge to see at the cinema. And I actually sat next door next to Lamal and he was an asshole. Who <laughs> oh, just sit next to? Lamal, who's saying never any story. And all we talked about, he was just trying to get people's attention. Like, look at me, I was famous once. Because he's actually, he was actually in a Guru Kaja Gugu before this. What about the end? Did you guys notice if you look really close at the end of the ivory tower scene, you see um, they're like silhouettes uh, Yoda, there's Gumby, Chewbacca, Mickey Mouse, yeah. there's some Ewoks, C3PO, um, I think. And one more, E.T. E.T. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't notice it myself. I I noticed it when I was watching something afterwards, and they pointed it out. I I hadn't noticed it myself. Oh, yet. this is the first mm-hmm. time I noticed it. It this is the first time I missed it. No, I was like, how did I not notice it. that before? I didn't. But the mm-hmm. Citadel part with the she's got her palace. It's all beautiful, you know. And before it goes to shit, the nothing takes over, and Artax <laughs> dies, and all the rock people are gone. Well, I mean, everyone dies, don't they? And then they come back like a Marvel Ultra Universe at the end. <laughs> yeah, I guess they come back and everything's. I guess the. I guess the. the, the they're like astrally connected now. Well, I guess. Well, it, basically, once another. I mean, the nothingness. I mean, I guess the. From my understanding of the film, from watching it, I guess basically as you get older, you lose the power to dream. And so that's why that's and so when you lose the power of the dream, basically you're just filled with nothing. And so, and so and to bring everything back, once yeah, once if you cannot lose that and basically learn to dream again, that brings back all the that brings back Fantasia, isn't it? So that brings yeah. that brings back your dreams. If you kill your dreams and you're then you're left for nothing. So you got to keep your dreams alive, which brings everything back to life. Uh, even if it gets down to this little much. <laughs> There is there is one there is one thing about the the the, the death of uh, the death of Artax in the beginning of the movie. It like took a I, week I to do that. Scene. Feel I feel like it's way too early in the movie for that. Like I I, thought, thought, yeah. I, I agree with you. I thought we just crazy. met them. We just met them. I agree. And, and I feel like it could have packed a lot of punch if we would have had. Like if this movie would have been instead of ninety three minutes, if it would have been two hours, they would have fleshed out a tray you and Artax a little bit before right. they hit us with its death. With the death, I of the agree. Horse. I, I totally like, agree. I mean, but apparently, I must be wrong because everybody else seems to say that this packs an emotional punch to them. Well, because just... a lot of people. Well, I mean, you're watching the horse. That that was the first time mm-hmm. I even watched honest. a horse drown. That just fucks with my head because I'm an animal lover, 
And it was just things like there was all kinds of movies back then that fucked with your head as a child. Yeah, I, I feel, I this feel one like just freaking sticks in our head. I feel know? like from the 1930s to the 1980s, they wanted to keep putting into kids the idea of, you know, death is inevitable. Well, right. Oh, Geller, Bambi. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of them. Everything. Then, everything that came out that was a kid's movie. The system, yeah. Yeah, everything that was a kid's movie in that time period always hammered into you because oh, they're preparing. Eventually, you're life. going to lose your mother. Eventually, you're going to lose your father. Eventually, yeah. you're going to lose this. And for some kids, it might come very early in life. Just right. one oh. thing. Just one thing. I'm going to say that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the corpse or the body. How was it called? Oh, yeah, when her mom dies. My and it's all, it's all done. It's all done. My fine, God, but... I've cried every time I, I watch it. I get goosebumps. Every di- every Disney oh, animated yeah. movie made me cry at some point because something, Dumbo. whether it's you know, um, Dumbo's mother rocking him in her trunk, uh, that Bambi- killed me. That still kills me. That Bambi's mother, yeah, Bambi's mother being killed by the hunters, all this stuff, and even in this movie, first fifteen yeah, minutes of up. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. The, Yes, yeah, so I guess to a, to an extent they still do it, but they there was a um, no, but just a tendency of like them flushing this thing out of so the yeah, movies these the, days. Yeah, the there, was, there was a tendency it. to treat kids with a little bit more respect in the you know up until like the eighties or nineties, and right. thinking like, no, you can handle this because you're going to have to handle it in real life eventually. And then politically correctness. I didn't think happened. nothing of it growing up. My mother didn't think nothing of me watching Bambi's mother get shot or anything. I mean, it was. You're right. It just, I, Optimus uh, Prime dying in Transformers the movie. Well, that upset me. That I used to cry all the time as a little kid for that. I wasn't you know? a little kid. I was a grown woman, and I was still upset when Optimus Prime died. <laughs> by the, I mean, by the way, part of life and something that. I mean, in a way, if you think about it, the reason why we get pets is to prepare us for death, really. Because yeah. your, your pet's not going to last as long as you are. Nope. No matter, Trust unless, me. Unless you get a turtle. You can lose anybody, anything, anytime. It's, it's all there. I mean, if, you, if you want to teach a kid to, to respect death and deal with death really um, quickly, give them one of those goldfish from the fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What movie was that? Oh, wait. What movie was that? The little girl shaking the fish. Oh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're shaking the oh fish. God. Yeah, Finding Nemo was another one with a really dark... Oh, my God. Movie. Finding Nemo was brutal, if you if you really think about it. It was just I mean, was out there, you know? I mean, I was quite shocked that a turtle did die so soon. Because it... And I, I do understand what you're saying because thinking thinking about it is because uh, I remember watching like, watching it this time around. I mean, it was too soon. That's for right. some reason it's kind of like it's like oh Arturo, you're my best friend. Let's get something to eat. Now they're in this, the next scene, swamp of sadness. Yeah, I for some reason I remembered this being much much later in the movie. Yeah, that, I thought that it was. It was only half an hour into the before Arturo died. So I was maybe, like, maybe it's just as kids, we might not have ever seen it like sequentially. We might have like, because I I don't know if I ever sat down and watched the whole movie beginning to end until last night. Oh, I saw I saw it at the movie theaters when it came story. out. I remember okay. seeing it the theaters. Um, Thing, maybe I enjoyed it. I liked it. I thought, oh god, this is fun. I mean, I never saw it again. This maybe it's repeat viewings. Repeat viewings. You grew up. Well, in I have children, so I've had to watch it, and then I had grandchildren, so I've had rewatched a lot of this shit over and over again. So mm-hmm. 
I mean, and it has the same effect. I watched it with my children, with the Artax thing. I watched it with my grandson. That that one scene seems to affect the young mind. It just does. I just, for well, some I reason... I do have a criticism of that one scene, though. Took two so, weeks to film. Arturo dies in the swamp because he's sad. And the horse, and the, the horse's name is Arturo, right? Uh, Artax. No, Artax. Artax dies because he's too sad to carry on. So he basically gets sucked up in the mud. He lost, loses hope. How comes a turtle doesn't get sucked up in the mud? He's not sad that his friend is He's not died. in there, is he? He's trying, him, he's trying to pull him out. He's in the mud. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I don't know that. Uh, that that. Uh, I mean, well, it does say that it, it, it's the um, if the sadness overwhelms you and overcomes you, and you give up hope. It's a metaphor right. for depression. Yeah. Basically, it's basically a metaphor for depression. And, don't you and think if you think if you have if you if you with your horse and your horse is your best friend, and this is the one the horse has been with you since birth and everything like that, and your horse dies, don't you think that you'd fall in that pit? <laughs> no, because you're not weak like the horse was. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be pretty upset if my my pet drowned, my animal, my friend drowned. Oh, in I was mud hole. The last time, the last time I had a dog, I was depressed for weeks after the dog died. Oh God, it's awful! You know, I it's, like thinking about my dog's dog. Like, you know, you I know? Can, I mean, when it when it comes to a pet, I think I hate, I think losing a pet sometimes harder than losing a family member. Yeah, yeah, you, you would be. Yeah, it sometimes is because I can sit there and say that. And this is gonna sound horrible, but I but no, it's not because you know what? They're still I'm part not, of the family. They're still your friend. They're still your pet. I don't think that's the part that's going to sound horrible. Let's no, keep, keep no, the, the benefit thing is, of the doubt. My, my oh, wait, yeah, he's going to be ugly. The thing is, <laughs> about, about, 50, about, well, I guess it's 15, 15 years ago now, my mom died. A week later, my grandmother died. The week later that, my grandmother died. And it's like... You did have a bad run. And then my cat died. And I bawled my eyes out. And it was really hard. But you know what I think it is, is that even though you miss your family, the thing is, you're so used to living life separated from them and you miss them and you like, you know, you can't go to them. Where a pet, you is, with them. they're waiting for you at true. home every single day. Yeah, that's true and, too. And, that, and so, so when they do disappear, that that living force that's with you is what's missing. And I think yeah, that, that there's you, a lot I think, of truth to I, that. You feel it differently. I think it's a different kind of feeling because the thing is, I mean, once you get over your pet dying, is like you don't you don't have the longing you do for your relatives that die. Well, but me, there for a while, it's just like there's just this emptiness. Well, it's still a traumatic life. sadness. But maybe it's something related to the fact that when you have a pet, it almost feels like you have a child. And then do you know when they say that the most painful thing for a mother is surviving her own sons or daughters or whatever. So maybe it's something related to that. Well, I also I think know. you get you kind of get over your pets a little bit because you can always replace them. You can't no, replace, you replace a, pet. a child. You know that is for, that's for the truth. You cannot replace your child. Yeah, but you can always. I mean, I mean, I remember when I remember when Pusselina died. It's like it was really sad. But then I got Boo, and I've been. <laughs> but I I also feel like maybe the she'll be dying soon, so I'll be going through that again soon. If it, so. if, it, if it was it, it was a situation like you're saying where like I, and by the way I'm sorry that you went through a span like that. I mean Jesus, <laughs> that, that, that much of your family dying that quickly in, in succession is just mm. monstrous. Oh. I'm sorry. 
But I think part of it was, you know, at this point, it's like, what the fuck else are you going to take away from me? You took away my mother, my grandmother, and so on. And then, you know, and then like in such short succession after that, and then your cat dies around the same time. Yeah, at that point, you're going to you're probably going to feel like, well, what the hell else are you going to be able to take away from me at this point? Well, that's, I kind of got that, that every time I that, my, that, my, That's just the straw that breaks the back. Really? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I also think I had that. I remember like my sister Kelly called me. I was like, who died now? <laughs> I was, um, I, I mean, I went through, I went through a bad streak like that where I was still in my twenties. My, yeah. uh, my mother passed away. Um, and that put kind of a, uh, and she helped take right. care of my father who was very sick. My girlfriend at the time, she and I ended up taking care of my father a lot. And I, the stress was really wearing on me to where I became yeah. really a lot, very much an asshole, to where my girlfriend, who at that point was with me for seven years, she was just like, I'm done with this. And she left. Then six months after she left, my father died. And yeah, it when it happens like that quickly, it takes a toll on you. Yeah, it does. And Ke- well, with Keith, it was even quicker than that. It was, you know, we, you know, all within weeks of each other. That was that that's that's unfathomable. Yeah. We've all got it, though. I know, you know, every every one of us has had our our really tragic. Well, that's life, and the older thing, the older you get, the more loss you endure, and that's you know, you either just got to keep on trucking. That's the only way to do it. Then, but well, then going back, but going back to the story, this is why in the swamp of despair you have more like the ancient one, the wisest one, who doesn't give a shit about anything anymore because he's lived so many thousand years. Imagine the amount of people or friends he's seen dying. Well, don't forget the two just... boys are simpatico and yeah. what's going on with him is going on with the little boy because the story has come alive for the little boy. So they're making decisions together. Yeah. Right? The, the little the little boy who just recently lost his mother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that, that's that's a that's a big part of it too. So he's suffering yeah. loss right now, you know, and he's those bullies. I was I'm sorry. I know that you were unhappy with the, the dragon going in. I just loved him kicking their ass. I just if the if the dragon would have eaten the bullies, it would have got that would have been better. This would have been, been a five star. There should movie. be an alternative <laughs> ending just for people like us that demand action. Fox like uh, the, the, although although the revenge is sweet, uh, where's the resolution for the boy beating the bullies in his life? Do you know what I mean? Right. There's no real resolution. Kind of like I've become stronger. I can face bullies now. Otherwise, you always need a dragon to help you. You well, know. So it's, I think I would like to help. Did you see how big he was? <laughs> I would. I, like I would like the better if Falcor grabbed the bullies and dropped them into the swamp of sadness. That would have been bonus. That would have been good. That would have been really good. I mean, the thing I I don't have a problem with him coming after the bullies. That's not, but I think my problem basically is is that it looked out of place. It did. Well, it definitely looked the out of place. Special effects look really, really well done when they were in Fantasia, but then when he kind of took that those special effects and moved them out to real and it looked weird. Film, it kind of it looked very very out bad. Screen. It looked it looked as bad as blue screen as Clash of the Titans. Them. Maybe if oh they... my god, because this this looked like it was filmed on actual streets. The uh the real life scenes, yeah. Some maybe, of them. maybe had they done it on like the, a soundstage on the Universal backlot where they had more control over everything. Well, they spent yeah. so yeah. much money yeah. on this movie, uh, making it, I think hundred million production. Um, and actually, the you know that was a the lot author of the back novel. then. The author of the novel really doesn't like the fact because he the you know, the the novel uh, I from what I can ascertain I've never read it. Well, Atreyu was supposed to, to look totally different. He was green. 
you know? And blue hair, green with blue hair in the book. From what I was able to ascertain from what I've read about this, because I've never read the novel, is that the, the, the novel was supposed to, the novel went into the area of the bullied kid becoming the bully himself. Hmm. And that never happens here. We, I mean, maybe we get a little taste of it when he brings Falcor to, 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 well, yeah, uh, that, to scare a, the bullies. Yeah, there's kind of a smidge of it. But hang on, wait, I found I out. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, Joe. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's only in the first half of the book as well, so I don't know what happens in the second half of the book. Mm-hmm. I found a quote from the uh, from it took the 25 author. people to move Falcor, if that makes any difference. <laughs> a revolting movie, a giant melodrama of kitsch, commerce, plush, yeah. and plastic. The makers of the film simply did not understand my book at all. They just wanted that. to make money. I read that. I mean, I'm not sure that that's also the truth. <laughs> not so. a fan of the movie. <laughs> Obviously, well, did not like that, what they did. It probably brought more this. people to buy his books, and it probably worked out well. For Maybe him. it probably worked out well. Yeah, uh, but sometimes you know, I've you kind got of the ruined. book on my Kindle. I haven't read it, and I don't know if they, I don't know if they bought the rights outright, but then they made the second and third one, and they they had to pay them for that. They had to pay royalties for that. Technically, so. though, if they bought the second and third one, I guess. Well, I get. Did they take? Parts of the book and make the second and third one, or were they the second one? Concept? Yes, the third one, no. Okay, yeah. okay. And, and you could you could see fun. the declining budget in the third. Oh, I like, bet this one I... had a huge budget. The second one, you could see they did not have a lot of money. The, the it didn't look nearly as nice as this one does. Then the third one takes place mostly in the real world because, like, fuck this, man, we ain't gonna pay any money. I didn't them. watch either of those. I, didn't see but one of those. I think we also have to sit there. Jack Black's in the third. That, that, Oh, this, okay. has, this has a fantastic director, Wolfgang Peterson, who did In yeah. the Line of Fire. Yeah. Um, Air Force One. Air, Air Force, Force One. One yeah. He made a I lot mean, of great movies that I love, a lot of great action movies. And he's, he you know, and, and I think no, that I think the other films probably do not have good directors. I don't know who directed the other ones, but they're not going to be that caliber. Well, it's almost like, do you ever notice, though, when you get a blockbuster movie like that, it's never the same director that does the second one nine times out of ten. It's never that same production company. The second one was George T. Miller, not the George Miller that did the uh, that, that, did, that did the Mad Max movies, a completely different right. George Miller. Yeah, the uh, River. Yes, that one. That's uh, well, the he third did a lot one. of bad films. I mean, he, did, he did Andre. <laughs> The third one is Peter oh, McDonald of Rambo 3 and Mo Money and oh, Legionnaire. So, yeah, that's the third one. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're not that they're not the same caliber, are they? I mean, if you look at the second one, there's I mean, he made a film called The Aztecs and Les Patterson Saves the World. And he's an Australian act, a director, it looks like. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he did Journey to the Senate Earth TV miniseries. Pretty much says it all. A film called Prey in 2009, which is an Australian supernatural thriller. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the poster, it pretty much tells you everything. So, yeah, poor thing. But it's, I mean, a, it's, it's a cult classic. Sure. Would you say it's kind of got a cult following at this point? I mean, they did put it in Stranger Things, so you knew that if it wasn't a cult. I mean, it's bull. It, I, I would say it's 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 um it supersedes a cult classic. I'd say it's a legitimate, uh, legitimate classic based on uh based on how people remember it. Right. So, I, I think uh, it's I think it's firmly set in. You know, I think. I think it's. I think it's age appropriate for 
the I age do. that it's meaning for. I, I think that if you show it to a kid that's under the age of 11, maybe, they'll probably enjoy it. I think if once they get in the teenage and this is the first time they're seeing it, they probably won't feel the same way about it. Right. Especially you know, kids these days. Yeah, like if, if if yeah, you show it to you, you know, you know, your your eight year old grandkid, you know, if I if I were to show it to my nephew or to Zena, they would probably love it. So you should, yeah, you should do that. You should show, show it to Zena because she's closer to you, isn't she? You see her a lot more. Well, closer closer geographically, yes. Oh, yeah, Shanta's, I mean. Shanta's probably shown it to her. I'll, I'll see if she's. I'd be she interested had... to see what a little kid thinks about. I mean, other than my ten year old. Grandson, I'd like to know what the little ones think. That'd be interesting to hear. But I have to say that for a film in eighty four, is it? Um, I have to say that this it holds the special effects and the way it looks holds up. I mean, you know, the no, whole page of land looks fantastic. Yeah, well, that's because they're not garbage CGI effects. They're they're fantastic. Uh, you know, amazing, you know, work was put into them. People built things for this movie. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's why it holds up. The, and, uh, I don't, and there didn't feel like a lot of green screen. I mean, the only green screen moment is the end. But the, all the stuff yeah. in Vantilla, the green screen was, stuff doesn't pop out at you. Yeah, you it's all practical. Yeah, and even when you get, Fal you know, when he's riding Falcor and stuff like this, and they're going into nothing and stuff like this. And, of course, that's all green screened and puppetry and stuff like this. You know what? But I meant to ask but, but, everybody. But you, don't feel, but you don't feel that. You just kind of just get lost in it, which I. When it comes to the the, the wolf or whatever that is, is he the nothing? Did you no, guys think he's, he's the nothing? He's, he's a servant of the he's nothing. He's the agent of nothing. Yeah. He, want, he wants nothing to happen, but he's not the nothing. He's not the nothing. Okay. Just a servant. How, what yeah, is that? Uh, I was trying to figure out what his relationship was with the nothing because he was evil, clearly. Well, I also, he's like, a, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, let's start rating the film. Oh, no, uh, then before we rate, I was just going to say uh, that interesting enough, although he's a servant of the nothingness, at the same time, he kind of reveals all the secret, the truth of Fantasia that has no boundaries to this, the world of human fantasy. You know, created by the dreams and the hopes. It's interesting enough. It's wise as a as a as a villain. You know, it's strange. But well, considering yeah. that, that means that he doesn't want to live on, anymore either. And in fact, well, it sounds like it, it, by basically, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on yeah. yourself. It's mm -hmm. definitely got a clear message. So. Uh, 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 <laughs> Don't get me going because I'll be starting thinking about friggin' Stranger Things again. What's that Wait, next last do I need to rewatch Stranger Things. Okay, let's write Neverending Story. Starting with you, Vix, how many stars do you give right? Neverending oh, Story? Oh, God. I'm going to give it four because I love it, but I don't think it's, you know, up there with Gone with the Wind or anything. But uh, it's 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 a, it's a, it's something I think a lot of, it's, it's, it's translated well to the generations. Like I said, my children watched it. My grandson loved it. Everybody loves it. 
but uh, it probably deserves a five. But I don't know for some reason I'm just giving it a four. There's something about it that did. I don't know. I don't have to doesn't resonate it. as much for you anymore. Is that it? No, uh, maybe maybe I've just it would have been a ten forty years ago, you know. But <laughs> I just see the way they. I don't know. It, it's not a perfect film by any measure. I just gave it a four. It's it's got its issues here and there, but. Is it the emptiness? Is the emptiness and the voidness, the nothingness, taking over to you? Is it why? You know, Rob, I don't know. Maybe it's because the damn horse drowned. I wasn't ready for it. I get really upset when animals die. <laughs> I, I can see know, that. That's a lot. Any, that's a very I, common if thing. You can you can drown people all day long, burn them alive. I don't care as long as it's not a dog or a cat or a horse or something. I could give a shit as long as it's not animals. <laughs> or, I just really because animals are innocent. But it's a, it's really a great film, though. It is. It really is. I mean, it's fun. What and about yourself, Davidet? How many stars do you give it? Right. So for the uh, emotional bias and the teaching, bias. has to be a five. Because I didn't like the ending, would it be a four? So I have to give it a 4.5. <laughs> but you liked it, right? I liked it. I could Fair give it a five. But I just wish the ending was there was no flipping like a dragon taking the bullies. It would have been him responding to the bullies or something, or just I, I don't know. I would have liked, like Joe said, and I he snacks them up. Fire. The close up of his mouth as he's chewing them up. I, I wouldn't have seen that as a fire, dumpster. Them. Five stars. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have seen that as a resolution of, of <laughs> the kids and kind of resolving his issues. And, they should have had. Uh, but he's not. But yeah, it would have been the bully. It would have been the bully kid becoming the bully, which happens a lot in, in reality. You're that. Yeah, that but then that means the kid hasn't. That means the kid hasn't evolved, hasn't grown. He's still dealing with problems. Or he's, or he's grown into a bully. bully. Yeah, but if you're growing into a bully, that means you're taking with you all the resentment, all the sadness, all the issues that you've had in the past. So it's not nothing wrong with but being a bully. But apparently, that... no, <laughs> being a bully means being like <laughs> issues and problems. I don't know. I mean, I'm being I'm sorry, very biased. <laughs> Bullies help make people like you stronger. <laughs> Character builders, right? Bastards. But it would have been more in line. It would have been more in line with the original author intended, which is the the, the message that the bully become the bullies. Apparently, I don't know. Right. That, that's 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 what I'm ascertaining I, from what I'm reading. I, I think I need to read, read the novel. I've never read it, it either, so I don't know. Yeah, I I'm gonna download the novel and give it a shot. Uh, so. uh, Shanta got back it. to me. She said, "At she said her her older son Atticus, who's eight, eight or nine now, he actually likes it. Uh, okay. She has not shown it to Zena yet. Oh, okay." I'd be curious to see what the little girl thinks about it. What about your um, rating? How much do you rate it, Joe? Um, I'm sorry, five. and I, I'm sorry, and I'll be ducking the rotten fruit that you guys are going to throw at me. I'm not going to throw stars. shit at you. Two, Two stars. stars. Um, I think for hey, a movie that I, I think for a movie that um wants to stress the magic of storytelling, it does a very terrible job of actually maintaining a story. Uh, it doesn't flow well. Like yeah, everything I seems see like something happens, it gets resolved. Something happens, it gets resolved. Something happens, it gets resolved. And I don't like that form of storytelling. I, never I didn't like that. About that but you're kind I of didn't like that when when we covered the Dead Zone. I didn't like that that aspect of David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone. I felt like everything was just re, you know resolved too quickly, and um, I feel like I I feel like because of that, I mentally, you know, emotionally started to kind of check out on the movie. As far mm. as how the movie looks, 
it is a beautiful movie. Yeah. It is a testament to uh, to how wonderful you know how wonderful it is to build a set and put actors and you know animatronics and everything in yeah. front of it. I absolutely love how this movie looks. I love how the Forest of Sadness looks. I love how all the all the different worlds look. Absolutely. On that that aspect of it gets a five. The storytelling gets a one. Yeah, that's and, a good that's a good point, Joe. I mean, it definitely should get a five just for cinematic beauty. Just it's a beautiful yeah. looking movie, uh, and I you know I love the storybook world of it. Uh, I just wish they would have done a better job of making the story the story flow. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought about that before, but that's a valid point. It's pretty valid. I'm going to give it. For looks and the way it looks and the way that they filmed it and all that, I'm going to give it a solid five. As far as storytelling and stuff like this. Not as harsh as me. (laughs) I think I'll give it a four. To be honest, I enjoyed it. The time flew for me. Surprising. I I expected the worst and it surprised me. So I'm going to give it a surprising four for that. So. But as far as looks are concerned, I would give it a solid five. We're just basing it. Oh, God. Yeah. Easy. Hell yeah! This like, is this is one of the most beautiful looking movies. That's why it's hard to rate out there. Because... Yeah, mm-hmm. but I would like to. Fe- I, I I would like to have felt more. I mean, I didn't feel a lot for Barrett Oliver's character about his loss of his mom. I don't think that there's any resolution there. There's no resolution between Barrett Oliver and the father. So you didn't see any bullies. <laughs> the bullies. No, there is. Like, it well, is he... there. Well, not the no, he doesn't. He doesn't. We don't see the father ever again. No, we don't. No, we only see him in the beginning. That's it. Yeah. I, so there's I, no I, resolution I there. There's no. Um. I mean, I I do worry a little bit that you know he's going to drop out of school. He's away maybe? all night long, locked in the attic, reading this book, and no one comes to look for him. That's a bit. I know. It's just like no Amber oh, yeah. or nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Where's my kid? You know, no heartwarming thing about the father going. Oh, I missed you, son, or anything like that. And I think that probably would have been a better ending than the. To me, the bullies didn't really mean anything to me. So the I would have probably better. I I would give it a solid five. At least had some resolution with the father, maybe. I would, I would like to know how it. they explain the dragon to the modern world, but. Well, it seemed to me that they put the. I knew that Falcar would be a huge hit with audiences, and so let's put him in the end. That's what it kind of felt like. So, <laughs> which I mean, I love Falcar. I'm not, you know. Well, he kind of looks like a doggy though, too. Yeah, a little dog. It has like hello cat paws, and then he has a little dragon body. So yeah. Well, this brings us to the end of the Little Lessons podcast. Our next two-for-one dark families will include the Indonesian horror film made for children called Kuntalatnak, which is a 2018 <laughs> film. I have never heard of that. Um, it's basically the plot revolves around the children who find a mirror in their orphanage. The mirror contains a ghost that kidnaps children and imprisons them inside it. And, and the 2009 film by Joe Dante, The Hole. That is that's I, I've seen the whole. The whole is good. I did watch many, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, course, you might not be happy with the whole. Mm-hmm. 
Um, next um, next um, week, we'll be covering anthology season starts. We'll be covering Fantasia from 1940 and Fantasia from 1999, 2000, Fantasia 2000. And, of course, Doctor Who will be in with The Web Planet, The Crusades. Um, and the, since The Crusades is missing a lot of the episodes because they've been destroyed, they'll be also covering the amicus film Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965 starring Peter Cushion. And, of course, Make Remake will be part of the quarter. We'll be doing Beauty and the Beast from 1991 and Beauty and the Beast, the remake from 2017. And in October, in our month of Is This Even Normal, we'll be covering Coraline by Neil Gaiman and the 2009 film. And, of course, Batman the Animated Series, a recollection will be back. A recollection. <laughs> our, we'll be covering Batman again. We'll be covering the episodes Page and the Crime Doctor, Santana, the mechanic and Harley and Ivy as they go on holiday. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Davide. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. See you next week for Fantasia and Fantasia.